0: Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. A podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before. In your church or in your business. And now your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey everybody, and welcome to episode 407 of the podcast. It's Carrie here, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before well uh today's bucket list territory feels like that kind of year 2021 but john maxwell is my guest yeah the john maxwell we talk about how to develop next generation leaders when to step back i thought it was one of the best insights i've ever heard on that what you can learn about people from playing golf and eating at buffets yep plus a whole bunch of other stuff. Today's episode is brought to you by ProMedia Fire. You can book your free digital strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash growth and by the XPS 2021 by CDF Capital. You can join this annual innovative gathering of XP leaders by simply Googling XP Summit and you can register. It's happening soon. Well, uh, what a thrill to have John Maxwell on the podcast. He is uh, probably the guest that needs no introduction to a lot of you, but he is a number one New York Times bestselling author, multiple times a speaker, a coach, and a leader who has sold more than 33 million books. He has been called the number one leader in business and the world's most influential leadership expert. His organizations, the John Maxwell Company, the John Maxwell Team, Equip, and the John Maxwell Leadership Foundation have trained millions of leaders From every nation. And, you know, it's funny because this is the first time. I mean, I think I joked with him. I I shook his hand once at a conference in like the early 2000s or something, but I hadn't spent any time with John. I'd heard about what happens when you do, that people just who have been with him just rave about him. And I felt that happening. I mean, so personable, so genuine, so focused. And Uh, Yeah, I think you're really going to love this conversation. Also, found out he listens to the podcast, which is just like incredibly humbling. So, I hope you enjoy this one as much as I do. And to quote John Maxwell, teamwork makes the dream work, but a vision becomes a nightmare when the leader has a big dream and a bad team. Now, if you're looking to grow your business or ministry this year online, you need a good brand strategy. And with ProMedia Fire, you can get an entire team of professionals who will bring your dream to life on social media, your website, and through all your branded content. They provide digital strategy and a creative framework to help your church, nonprofit, or business grow online. So if you want to let ProMedia Fire bring your vision to life, you can book a free digital strategy session today at Promediafire.com forward slash growth. And we are so grateful for our partners at CDF Capital, and they got this really awesome thing called XPS 2021. So if you are a second chair leader, that's an executive pastor, administrative pastor, operations pastor at a local church, you are in an incredible spot of influence. So I am privileged to have been part of the Executive Pastor Summit in the past, and I'd love to point you to this year's gathering led by CDF Capital Exponential and Leadership Network. So, uh, what they do is they get together and they just talk among peers. And this year's key voices shaping XPS include Ed Stetzer, Dan Ryland, and Beth Gannum. The event is May 25th, May 26th in Denver, Colorado. So, I would encourage you to sign up and connect with the sharpest women and men XP leaders in the country. Uh, When we did it, it was in Florida, it was unbelievable. And you can check it out. You can go to welcome.cdfcapital.org forward slash XPS2021. Or let's make that simple. Just Google XP Summit. And of course, we'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. So would love for you to check that out this year. I had a good time when I was there a couple of years ago as well. And look forward to traveling again uh, at some point. Hey, thank you so much for your ratings, feedback, and review. I read every single one of them. And I also want to encourage you to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, We do a lot of, uh, have a lot of business leaders listening. I'm always shocked to find out who's listening. And we share my blog posts and articles on LinkedIn. So I hope you find the content helpful there if you're looking for a place to be. And I know as business leaders, a lot of you are there anyway. So without further ado, what a thrill to bring you my conversation with the one and only John Maxwell. John, it's a true joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. It's my joy,
1: Carrie. Thanks. I admire so much how you're adding value to so many people. I listen to your podcast. And uh, so, hey, I'm listening, learning from you and from your guests. And all of a sudden, I'm a guest. So thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: well, it's, uh, it's been a long time bucket list thing for me. So it's a thrill that you made the time. And, and that's very humbling to hear. Um, I want to talk about a growth mindset. That's something that I have seen you have and develop. And I think Ryan Hawk asked you this question uh, last year. But, you know, you could be doing anything with your life right now. You could be sailing around the world, golfing endlessly. But here you are, building into leaders, writing books at this stage. I'd love to know what motivates you. And can you talk to leaders about like a lifelong growth mindset?
1: Yeah, I'm glad to, Kerry. Well, I started off with a goal-setting mindset. Uh it, my first my first personal growth uh program was from uh SMI out of Waco, Texas, Paul Meyer. And it was all in goal setting. And for two years I learned to set goals, and, and it was very, very helpful to me. But but as I developed myself, uh keep that in mind for just a second, Carrie, and then let's go to I, I was listening to Earl Nightingale about that same period of time, and he said that uh you spend one hour a day, every day on one subject, the same subject for five years, you'll become an expert on that subject and carry. I, I was really passionate as a very young person in my early twenties about leadership. And I said, oh, I'm, that's, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna spend an hour every day on, on leadership. Hmm. And I did, I practiced leadership. I talked to people that were leaders. I did everything I could to stay in that leadership lane. But, but I kept thinking of five years that, you know, Earl Nightingale said five years. And so I, I'm, I'm going to kind of like a countdown. Okay, well, I've done that for year one, year two, you know, and it's kind of like five, four, three. And I got yeah. just about in the middle of my countdown. I, I guess I thought it was Cape Canaveral or something. But anyway, I, I, I get about halfway in the middle of it. And, and all of a sudden, I realized, Carrie, that um, I'm changing. I'm changing inwardly. I'm, I'm more aware. I'm learning I I all of a sudden uh, have a grasp on leadership like I've never had before. And and this got very exciting to me. And I quit asking the question, how long will it take? You say Errol Nightgale said five years. So it's five, four, three, two, one, touchdown. I quit asking the question, how long will it take? And I started asking the question, how far can I go? Hmm. And I can tell you, everything changed that day. I, you know, I, I said, wait a minute, I, I'm not going to get into deadlines and timelines. Now I'm just going to absolutely immerse myself. And first of all, you know, five years being an expert, you know, that's, I mean, I like Earl, but that, 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 you know, that's, you don't, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. So, I mean, right. this expert stuff, the only people I know that are experts don't know much, you know what I'm saying? You know, and, <laughs> and, 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 and so, so it's a never ending process. And then The second thing, now go back to my Paul Meyer SMI, personal growth kind of goal setting stuff. I I sat down one day after having the Earl Nightingale experience, and and I asked myself a question. This is when I was preparing to write books. And I asked myself, if I write books, how do I add value to a person? What, what's the best thing I can do? And I came to the conclusion after probably I would say a couple of years of really thinking this through, I came to the conclusion, if I could help people do four things that I could really add value to them on a consistent basis. And that, that, that comes off of my, off of what I use as real R E A L relationships, equipping, attitude and leadership. Mm. That if I could help people get along with people, connect with people, if I could help people, equip, train people, develop, empower them, if I could help people handle COVID-19 and, and all the adversities of life, attitude, rule, and if I could help them influence people, lead it, that, 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 that I, I would be able to really help people. And so I, instead of going for like setting goals, I took those four lanes plus my spiritual development lane as a, as a person of faith. And I said, I'm going to just. I'm, these are the five areas I'm going to grow in, and and I, I just have. I, I I started diving, and I'm still diving, and it's it's it's. I'm having layered learning and getting depth to to want to know. But but that got me off of the goal setting kind of mindset and got me on the fact of no. My 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 uh, responsibility and intentionality is to every day grow just. Just grow. So you know, how far can I go? How, how far can I go? And and I don't know. I have no idea how far I go. I, I I'm not even come close to hitting capacity.
0: So I. <laughs> well, if I'm correct, you're you're there is a finish line this way.
1: It's so far out in front of me that you know I'm you know I I don't I don't I don't not only don't think I'll get there. I I, I don't want to get there. I I you know I, wh- why would you want to be finished? And you know when you. When you cross the finish line, Carrie, you're finished. I mean, hello, what, I mean, what's, you know, what's good about that? So anyway, that's, that's kind of my mindset on, on personal growth and I'm very intentional in it and, and have done it uh, continually. And, and one other thing about growth, I'm sorry, one other thing about growth is that when you start growing like this intentionally, you increase growth capacity. Yes. And so my capacity to learn and grow and, 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 and uh, assimilate is huge today. Bigger than it was, I'm 74, bigger than it was at 54, bigger than it was at at, 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 at 34. B- because I have, I've stretched my, it's like going to the gym. I've stretched myself. And, and so my uh, ability to, and, and uh, capacity to learn and apply and to file and to pass on to others, it's just kind of you know, gone through the sky, the sky's the limit on it. So anyway, that's, that's another advantage of having a growth mindset you just increase your capacity to be able to learn more. You know, you cannot give what you do not have. So if you, if you, if you've got great capacity to receive, you've got great capacity to, to give.
0: You got a lot of leader. well, it's a leadership podcast, so a lot of leaders listening, many in the church space, many of them working on a church as you used to working at a church, but also a lot of marketplace leaders, business leaders, et cetera, et cetera, who are listening to this podcast. I'm curious if you could take us back a few decades to the transition you made from full-time pastoring to leadership development, What you're, what you're known for and what you're doing today. Why did you make that leap and what were some of the keys to doing it well?
1: Okay, two experiences, Carrie. Uh, First of all, I never had any desire to write books. I, it wasn't on my list at all. But I had a mentor named Les Parrott, and he had yeah. written six books. And i never forget, I sat down with Les one day, and I asked him, I said, why do you write books, Les? And what he said just changed my life. He said, I write books to extend my influence beyond my personal touch and reach. Hmm. And the moment he said that to me, I, I mean, I leaned into on that table and said, I'm going to write books. Huh? And so the whole catalyst of me writing books wasn't that I wanted to be a writer. Never, never was anything that I desired, but I really had a desire to extend my influence. And and back then before social media books was the, really the way to go beyond your personal touch. So that's why I started now. That 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 would that would be when I was you know probably thirty five. So that's back in nineteen seventy six somewhere in there. Okay, seventy seven. So then go a little further, go go back to go to about nineteen ninety five. Now I've been writing, 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 and um, I, I'm with my publisher in Nashville, and they they said we've done some research on your books, John, and uh, you know two thirds of your books are are being read by the business community. Hmm. the secular community they're they're not buying your books in christian bookstores and i remember looking at them, and i was shocked i said you're kidding me i had huh. no idea they said no they're just loving your your leadership principles at that moment at that moment i felt god just say it's time to cross over wow i had no intention of crossing over i've been a pastor for 25 years loved every moment of it But I knew now I could get to in our world in our terminology, I could get to a mission field. I could get to I I, I could go to people that I could hopefully influence and add value to and share my faith. And so I crossed over. Now that was a very difficult transition for me. Mm. Um first of all, I'm I'm educated as a theologue, not a business person. Right. And for 25 years, I'm in my world that I know so well. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to a world that I hardly know at all. i I didn't have any business. i I didn't have any degrees in it. And, and yet these people were buying it my loving my leadership principles. So I knew my leadership principles were attractive to them. But think about it for a moment. All of my illustrations are gone. I mean, i, I, you know, I can't <laughs> yeah. hey, I can't walk into. I can't walk into Delta and say "Now you know, the Bible says, uh, or, or, you know, let me talk to you about David and Goliath. So, so all of a sudden, basically all of the stuff that I had acquired to help me be effective in communication was gone. And so I had a real, and then, so it was very challenging. It was very up. When I talk about everything worthwhile is uphill. It's, you know, this uphill was getting like this. It it, it was, uh, it was almost like a steep climb. And so so it was very challenging for me. And, and I was out of my comfort zone and, and I, I wasn't sure how to do this. I, again, I knew the principles work, but I, how do, how do I connect? How do I relate? Yeah. And, and fortunately I just had a teachable spirit and I just went into that community and I started asking questions and I said, mm. you just have to help me. You just have to help. me. If you'll help me, I'll help you because I have the principles, but I don't know how to connect with you. I don't know how to communicate with you. And then I had my first eye-opening awakening. And, and as, as Christ followers, you know, you don't care. I mean, we just talk and we connect. I mean, we have, you know, there's a relationship because of who he is and who we are in him. But when you go into the business community, relationships, you don't even get a relationship until you get respect. Right. And they're looking at you and they're basically asking, what have you done for me lately? And and why should I listen to you? And, and, and you know, in, in my world, my church was one of the 10 most influential churches in America. There was a book written about them. And, and, and in my world, I just walked in and I had everybody's respect in this world. I've started all over. I mean, forget what I have done. It means zero to these people. Right. So I had to, I had to, you know, re up my game, learn, ask a lot of questions, and and then uh, we don't, I don't want to talk about this much, but uh, but then I had a, I had a rough time with the Christian community. For I mean, they were asking me why I was leaving the church and <laughs> leaving the ministry, and you know, did I sell out the money? And I mean, you know, I, you know, it was very, yeah, that was they weren't the most encouraging and uh, to help me cross over, but the apostle Paul was very encouraging to me when he said, I become all things to all men and I entered their world to see things from their perspective. And, and so now today I it's, I love, I love this world and I, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful journey. And and I learned and I listened and I was, I, I was taught well. And, and today I have the privilege of kind of being in both worlds and, and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, if I can ask you, and if if you don't answer this, that's perfectly fine, but you're talking to a lot of leaders today who feel discouraged, who are getting criticized, not necessarily from leaving ministry to go into to business, but they're criticized for everything. It's like, you know, and how did you talk yourself through that moment? How did you not let the critics get to you?
1: Well, first of all, there are critics. And, 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 but, but I think COVID-19 has been a very hard time on leaders yeah. because the dysfunction of culture and society is coming out ridiculously now. I mean, you just, you just can't even fathom some of the criticisms and some of the, some of the thinking of people. And so I think this is a very tough time and I pastors are greatly discouraged. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, just, I mean, they've, they've, they've lost their main way of communicating. And I mean, there's just, they took a lot of losses and then on top of that, they got a lot of criticism and 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 so, I've had a lot myself. first of all, i um i I've had a lot of benefit from criticism. so mm. oh, criticism is I've had a lot of help. i've some of my best advice has been advice that I didn't want to hear, but but I needed to hear it, and it was a blind spot in my life. and if you have a teachable spirit, I mean, when people say they're self-aware, I always get a little amused by that. I don't, we're not self-aware. The only self-awareness I have Carrie, carry is the fact that somebody was kind enough to speak into my life and help me see a blind spot that I had and say, John, mm-hmm. you're gonna to have to work on this or, you know, and you're gonna to have to change this. So when I when I think of criticism, I, I think, first of all, there's some very, you know, I've been benefited from a lot of it, But but here's what I want everyone to hear. And that is very simple. Leadership is always surrounded by criticism. Uh, good leadership, surrounded by criticism. Bad leadership, surrounded by criticism. What part of this don't we understand? It's all, I mean, you, you, you whatever you lead, you become a, a target. Yeah. So the issue is not how do I handle criticism? I mean, I mean, you're going to have it. So first of all, just say this is, this is part of a leader's life. The question is, do I have a vision and a mission that keeps me steady during all that criticism? And, you know, it's Nehemiah, you know, when when all of his critics had come on down, he said, no, 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 I, you don't understand, I'm building a wall. I'm, I'm so sorry, can't have a meeting today. Uh, hi, good to see you, building a wall, building a wall, building a wall. And and what I tell, you know, criticism isn't what kicks me out of the game. Not having a mission and a vision that is is greater than that criticism is what kicks me out of the game. It, 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 it's like fear. I mean, we've seen a lot of fear during COVID-19 and, and people are talking about, well, how do I get rid of my fears? I say, you don't. I'm, mean, hello. I have fears. You have fear. I mean, I, mean, oh, yeah. I, I know, I know, I know. Perfect love casts all, all fear. I, I got all that. But, but I mean, in reality, have you really ever met a Christian that didn't have some kind of anxiety, some kind of concern? Some I mean, let's get real for a moment. So I, I have fears. The question is not, how do I get rid of my fear? The question is how do I make my faith stronger? Because in inwardly, I have two emotions that want my attention, a negative emotion, like fear, and a positive emotion like faith. Hmm. They're both inside of me. Now, who's gonna win? It's very simple, the stronger of the two. right? And if my faith is stronger than my fear, Carrie, then my faith will win. It it may it may have to work a little bit harder to win because of the fear issue, but, but it'll win. Or the reverse is true. If my fear is greater, my faith, the fear is gonna win. So the question is not, how do I get rid of uh, criticism or how do I get rid of fear? The question is how do I build up within myself a vision or a mission that keeps me on task? I can't come down. How do I develop my faith inside of myself, my faith in God and, and who he is? And, and how do I build up that faith until that is the stro- the stronger emotion always wins mm-hmm. period. And so my job is you know, what you focus on expands. It's true. So if I, if I focus on my mission and vision, it expands and gets better. Well, the, the opposite is true. What you don't focus on shrinks. Hmm. So if I focus on my faith, my fear shrinks. And if I focus on my vision, yes, do I? Yeah, I hear. I, I got the criticism, the disagree. I, I got it. Good to see you. I cannot come down. I cannot come down. I, I'm, I'm building a wall. I'm sorry, I, I cannot come down. So what I would say to all of us, me included, is that during difficult times, you've you gotta ask yourself, am I gonna curse the darkness or am I gonna turn on the light? Yeah. And and if you curse the darkness, I, no one ever cursed the darkness into light. I mean, you just curse. I mean, you just you sit over there and you curse and you curse, and you know after a while you're done cursing and it's still dark. Or you could say, okay, no, I'm going to get over to the faith side. I'm going to get over to the mission vision side, and and I'm going to I'm going to focus there because that's what's going to going to expand it. So I, that's my advice: is is, is um, don't don't try to eliminate criticism, and don't uh, don't be hard on yourself when you're criticized. I don't mean this unkindly everybody's getting criticized now. In fact, it's becoming, a, it's becoming an art form in people's lives. And so, you know, just get focusing on the, the, the stronger emotion, not the
0: weaker one. So we have quite a few mutual friends. And I'm going to run you through a few personal questions, if that's okay. So you love golf. It's a passion of yours. Uh, apparently, you have some rules for golf. I'd love to know about the rules. And then um, golf also has a strategic purpose uh apparently for you so can you tell us about that
1: well i love golf i i'm I'm only i'm a i'm a like a 13 handicap so i'm not really great i'm like not bad uh and 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 i'm a 13 because i don't play that much i i I love it but i don't have as much i mean to to really get your handicap down to single digits you got to play way too much for the time i don't have that time so anyway but that's okay. I'm very comfortable with where I am and what I, you know. I, I hit some good shots. I hit some bad shots. I love golf because golf is just like life. It is just like life. You have good shots. You have bad shots. And, and if you got a bad shot, you have to play it where it is. I mean, you can't say, "Oh, well, I, I, I'll ignore it." No, no. It's, it's, it's in the, it's in the rough. You know. You got. To, and if you have a bad shot you can't correct it usually with one swing. So, so, so you, you know, you don't try to make up for it. You just try to get out of trouble again. And, 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 and and so you, you, I've always said, if you want to know what kind of uh, person you're trying to maybe employ in your company or whatever, do two things, go to go play golf with them and, and, and go to a buffet with them. And, uh, I I, I want to watch you in the food line. I just want to. I mean, there are some people they just get in line, get their plate, and they just start where they are, in the you know. And I look and I say, well, there's no leadership there, you know. And then there are other people <laughs> they they say before I get in that line, like, you know, I got to go. Surround the territory. I got to. I, mean, I got to pick my spots. I mean, I can't have everything, so I got to. I got to prioritize. So, you know, so I, you know, I play. You know, take them out to eat and take them to play golf. And by the time you've got it, you don't have to have psychological tests. You got them all wired. You know, in the whole process, and and I, you know, my rules of golf are very simple. Um, I don't care if you're. You don't have to be good to play golf with me. Okay, but you have to be fast. Ah, so okay. So so one of the rules is we don't need four practice swings before a bad shot. You know, it, you know, it's going to be bad already. So just, just hit the ball. Get it and, right. and, and by the way, if you lose it or you put it where we, it's hard to find, we're not looking for it. I, I mean, I never got up in the morning and said, you know what I'd like to do today? I'd like to look for lost golf balls. That, that's, that's what I really want to do. I just want to go out on the course. I don't care if I play 18 holes, but I just like to Look for lost golf. No, no. I, and I tell her, I said, no, it's very simple. I got a whole bunch of golf balls in my bag. When, when you hit a bad shot, you just grab another one and hit it again. And you, let you, uh, I, will, I would rather give you all of my golf balls than help you find yours. So, so you know now. Okay, you talk about the personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a very. I'm not. I don't have mercy gifts. I don't have patience. I don't have any patience (laughs) in my life. So see, see again all the stuff. uh, uh, But but what I also like about about the game of golf is, is that you never uh, you you never get it down. You it's it's like. I've made a few times. I made mistakes saying I. I think I've really got this swing down now. I, I. I think uh-huh. I got it, and then you. You don't got it. You just. You, you just. Golf is cruel. <laughs> and, I agree. And, and so, yeah, and, and I love that part about. I love doing something, that I really can't master. Now some people don't like that, but right. I, I. I just there's something beautiful about the. It's. I think it's humbling. I think it makes me teachable. There's, I just like, I kind of, like to, I kind of like to be over my head a little bit and, 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 and then I guess I'm such an experience oriented person. I tell people, if you're, you know, if, if since you're over your head, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. So go deep. I mean, go to the ocean, you know, <clears> just <throat> dive deep because, you know, if you're over your head, you're over your head. So, you know, go, go to the ocean, don't go to the pond. And and so, yeah, I, I got it. And, and yeah, oh, that's I, fine. We, ha- we have a lot of rules in golf, and, and, but, but just remember the golf and the buffet, that really does work.
0: Yeah, what, what are you looking for like in the character of a person? Because I agree, having golfed a lot and been to a few buffets in my life, you learn a lot about people. So you're watching to see if they've cased the place out and uh, you think that's a sign of leadership. What are some other things you learn about uh, someone you're getting to know when you're on the golf course or at the buffet?
1: Well, I, I think, that, uh, you, you, are they honest? I mean, I mean, are, I mean, are, are they on Yeah,
0: that was not a par. That was a triple bogey, like <laughs> that level, right? I, I, in
1: fact, my my laughter is that business people that don't know God are more honest than preachers on a golf course. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: a little bit of pastor math on the uh, on the course, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. right just a little bit. I you know, and uh, so. I, I always just find it interesting that, you know, there's the score that is, and there, there, there's a the score that, you know, that, that they, you know, that they put on a card. And so I, I think, I think it's, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a game of, uh, I, I like to see, I like to see on a golf course uh, if, if the person that's playing has the ability or, or, or desire to root for the other person versus hmm. i i find are are they going to are they going to compete with me if i bring them on or are they going to complete me you know uh, you know i mean after all it's just a game uh, you know the whole emotion the ability to handle emotions you know you know when when i play with the guy he gets real frustrated i always say well now let me ask you a question i don't know you that well is this your profession do you do this for a living and of course of course the answer is <laughs> no then I, I say, well, that's good because you wouldn't be making any money if you did. <laughs> but, you know, but since you don't make it for, uh, you know, since you, this isn't where you make your living, let's let, you know, back off a little bit. You know what I mean? Enjoy the game. I I think, I think you very quickly find out people who are comfortable in their own skin yeah, and uh, and people who are not. And so, yeah, there's... <laughs> yeah, just let's go eat and let's play golf. You know, and and in fact, a a great day is when I can take them to my club that has a buffet. And so we eat and then we go play golf. And by, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, I, you know.
0: You know them really well. You've seen a lot. Yeah, that is really important, you know, even in interviewing or recruiting, selecting to get someone outside of the formal interview process. You just learn so much about people. One of the other values, mutual friends, again, say is you love to celebrate like a really good meal. So if you do a book launch or you finish a tour, a speaking tour or something, you hit a milestone in the company, you love to celebrate. What is the value of celebration to you and how do you like to do it?
1: Well, the the value of celebration is you do it with others. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's it's no fun celebrating by yourself. And, 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 and so I am, I'm a real celebrator. I, uh, and my favorite thing is to, is to celebrate the success of others. And, and, and every time somebody gets a win, let's nail it. Let's, let's say, Hey, this was a win. You know, the the great way to build leaders is by letting them practice leadership. And the way to build confidence is to celebrate wins. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, I, love, I love to, uh, I have a, what I call a 24-hour rule, very simple, and that when something is, is worth celebrating, hit it hard for 24 hours. Just, oh. just hit it hard. Go, I mean, go go. find out what the person that you're celebrating loves and go do it with them. And, and uh, it's all about them. It's not about me, but it's all about them. And celebrate, hit it hard. And after 24 hours, go back to work. Hmm. You know, and, And it's the 24 hour rules works also in in a discouraging time or a loss or a failure, you know, okay, groan, moan, you know, kick the can, cuss. I don't know what you got to do, but you got 24 hours to get through it. And after 24 hours, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't, don't, you know, I I don't want to hear about last week's failure, but I don't also want to hear about last week's success. I want to hear about today. And, and I, I want I want us to constantly live in the moment, and and so it's a it's a good rule. But I I really love celebrating people, and and um, I, I love being in I I love being on the team of of someone that uh, accomplishes something, and I, I get great joy out of um, maximizing that celebration because I don't I don't unless they're kind of an egomaniac I don't think a person can celebrate themselves. And so one of the things I love about celebration is it's a gift to others that really does make a lasting impression. I mean, um, and so, you know, when I, you know, when I turned, when I turned 60, I, every month I did something special with, with different friends of mine oh, and wow. I celebrated. And, and, and we, you know, we did different, I mean, I, I went to the NCAA final four with a couple of my basketball buddies and, mm-hmm. you know, I went to the Kentucky Derby with, 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 with four other of my friends. And, you know, I went on a hunting trip with, you know, people who like, you know, but what they, but what I did is I did things they liked to do and I did it with them and we celebrated the whole year. And, and I'm, and so now I'm having fun, Carrie, cause I'm getting, I'll be 75 next year and I'm going, and, and so in 2022, I'm going to do a whole year of, of, of people that I love and, and ah. loving people and doing things that you love with people you love. And, and so I'll have a, I'll lay out 20 by, Oh, I don't know, probably by November, 2021, I'll have 2022 laid out and have plans to, you know, celebrate people, you know,
0: it's good to know, you know, my favorite definition of intimacy is shared experiences. And that's a good reminder to all of us who sometimes put our nose to the grindstone a little bit too much to get out there and and celebrate and and uh, you know, share it, share it generously.
1: Work hard, play hard, work hard, yeah. you know. And you know, my definition of success, Carrie. Yeah. I got this definition when I was in night in, in 1980s, when I just saw a lot of leaders who I thought were chasing things that I didn't think would bring really true success and, and, and some of them kind of crashing the whole deal. So I said, well, I've got to develop a definition for success for what I think it is. And, and so I came up with one and it's really been good. It's lasted for, you know, almost 40 years now. Oh, it has about 40. And as I think success is having people who know me the best love and respect me the most. That's so. I, I just think that's a good definition, you know. I, I, you know, and I think it's very sad. I think a lot of uh, people that are kind of well known, the people who love them the most are the ones who l- know them the least. Hmm. And, 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 you know, I just think that, you know, if, if it's if my family, you know, I that's where I want to have the, you know, respect. And, 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 you know, I just
0: think that's a good definition. I think it's a great definition, John. Um, so, Brad Lominick's a good mutual friend, and I was preparing for this. And one of the things Brad said, so Catalyst, you started Catalyst along with Andy Stanley and, and so on back in the day. And Brad was a young, barely, like, he was still in his 20s, I think. He was a kid. Yeah, he was a kid. And he said he was astonished. He's seen this generally in your leadership, but particularly with him when he he said he didn't know what he was doing. And you're like, you just run this thing, like just grow it. And he says, your ability to hand things off to the next generation, even when the next, next generation doesn't necessarily know what they're doing is really inspiring. And it was terrifying for him and exciting for him as a young leader. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what are your guidelines and handing things off to young leaders? Why do you do that? And uh, I mean, that's a legacy, Brad says.
1: Yeah, I smile when I think of Brad. He's a yeah. beautiful person. Yes. You, you, you know, and Brad didn't have any experience. He he, he was too young for it. Uh, but I don't hand the ball off to somebody who already knows something. I have I hand the ball off to somebody who has the potential to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, um, I, I, I I let me several things come running through my mind very very quickly. First of all, I think that um, I think most leaders try to hold on to what they have too long. I, I think that you know when you hand the baton off, you shouldn't hand the baton off because you're tired. I never know anybody to run a re, win a relay race when when the guy that was handing off, said, like, oh my
0: gosh, take it, that's worth the price of admission. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, so yeah. right. You're so right. You've got to hand that baton off when, when hey, not
1: when you are at your peak best mm. and did your best. You got to let go. You have to if you don't let it go at your best time when you're at your top of your game, your team ain't going to win. So, yeah. so I I think first of all, leaders hang on way too long. Uh, you know, secondly, um, I'll have to say that everything I do, as soon as I start doing it, my first question is, who am I going to hand this off to? Hmm. And, and I, I uh, in fact, the expression I have in all my organizations is work yourself out of a job. Right. And, and what, you know, I, I would when I would hire somebody, I'd say, "Now let me explain something to you. I'm ex- I, your your job is to equip somebody to do your job. In fact, your job is to equip somebody to do your job. And when somebody can do your job with with a, a, a good sense of competence, when when uh, guess what, I'm going to give you, you, I'm I'm going to give them your job. And 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 I would tell I tell my people all the time, if you'll work yourself out of your job, I'll give you another one. Hmm." but if you can't work yourself out of the job you have, I'll take it away from you Uh, because I have no desire in having workers. I have desire of having leaders and leaders reproduce other people. And so, so, uh, and and by the way, how, how, how does Brad get good with catalyst? He gets good by practicing. Yeah. And, and uh, here's what I know. Uh, I I would create an environment for Brad to have some success. Okay. In other words, I I was still putting my name with catalyst. Mm -hmm. I was still putting people around catalyst that were on the team. I was still using my influence. Okay. So I, 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 it's not like he's going into a pure vacuum and he has to kind of figure it all out, but he does have to go in and, and, and practice. And practice means you win some, you lose some. And, and, and I, the, the losses are good as long as we learn from them, as long, you know, okay, uh, you know, what did you learn? The value of a failure is learning. Hmm. And the value of learning is improvement. And you gotta stay in that vein, you know? Yeah. So, so, so when I fail, it becomes a great friend of mine, not because I failed, but because I learned from it. But learning is totally overrated unless you improve. I mean, so, okay, now that you know what you did, can you improve this? And so, you know, you throw people like Brad Lavan again, and, you know, and I, uh, I almost all my people I give the baton to are young. And, mm. and, and I also, one other thought, I think that I think people, when they get old, they get foolish. And I think one of the foolish things old people think is that somehow they were the last great generation. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, when I die, everybody's gonna go to hell. Yeah. and And, and, and I don't think that's true at all. I think when I die, Thirty minutes after I've died, they're going to be at some fellowship, Paul, and the biggest question they're asking is, "Where's the potato salad?" You know, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't, I mean, I, I think you know, get over yourself, would you? I mean, my gosh, you know, you know, just get over yourself. Eh? So, so I think that, I think the next generation, you know, my hope is they pass me, you know, stand on my shoulders, you know, go higher, do more. Uh, that that's. It's, that's my spirit. That's my attitude. And they will. And they. Brad, will. Brad, and, they yeah. and they are. And my greatest joy. I know what I can do, Carrie. Good Lord, I I know what I can do. I got that down. But what's more fun is knowing what other people can do when you empower them and equip them, and and and, and give them opportunity. I mean, I have a coaching company called the John Maxwell Team. It's only ten years old, Carrie. And we've got thirty-seven thousand coaches in one hundred and seventy-two countries. We're the largest coaching company in the world. And I love, I just love giving them my name. They are John Maxwell team coaches, and and I had all kind of people. I mean, I did this when I was sixty four. I had all kinds of people say, John, you've worked hard to you know on that name and that reputation. and you're just going to let people have it? Yeah, yeah. Well, aren't, don't you think some will mess up? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. But uh, hey, don't you think I messed up yeah, on the way yeah, of making? Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like I was all supreme and successful and I didn't have, so if I had some misses, why wouldn't I want to empower other people to use my name to have some misses? I mean, it's okay. You know, it's, and again, and, and then to watch these coaches, I, my joy today at 74 is watching all the people I've trained, equipped, loved, uh given opportunity to do, and watching how well they are doing and helping people and, and prospering and truly, That's the greatest joy I have is is just watching them succeed. I mean, that's a high compliment for a leader to have people that they have led and equipped succeed. One
0: of the things Brad shared with me, and I don't know whether you remember this or not specifically, but he said as he was taking over the reins of Catalyst, and you were the speaker every year for a number of years, when you kind of passed the baton, you said, listen, you don't have to invite me back. Like there's no obligation. You don't. You don't have to use me if you don't want. Which I I found really moving. I, I'm not sure every leader would be there naturally. You know, they're sort of like, well, you can have it, but like, I better keynote or I better close it or I better open it or I better. Can you can you walk us through that dynamic? Because I think we would all be better leaders if we could get to that place. Yeah, it's
1: a great. I I, I, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, here's here's where what I would say, Kerry. Uh, A leader is in trouble when they need to be needed. Mm. Uh, See, instead of needing to be needed, I have a great need to be succeeded by someone else. Uh, And and so I remember, well, when Willow started a leadership summit, I was the guy in Dallas that gave Hybels the idea. I said, you ought to do a summit, I mean, and and, and start training leaders because he was such a terrific leader himself. And, and so he said, will you come and speak the first one? I said, sure. And so I spoke the first one. He said, let's do it again next year. I said, no, you do it again next year. It's your summit. It's not mine. Wow. And, and, and I don't need to be here. You got to build it off of you and who you are and what Willow is doing. And he did, and of course, it was a fun, and it is a phenomenal summit to this day. And Craig Rochelle's doing a great job with it now. But the point being, um, I have no desire; I, I don't have a great need to be needed. Uh, I, I just, I, I, and so at catalyst. I knew the only way that I could ever get it over to Andy Moore and the rest of the and Brad and the crew was for me not to come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think there are times when leaders. It's one thing to, I, you know, say, well, you know, when, when you don't need me, it's okay. I think it's another thing to look at him and say, you don't need me. Right. And that's that's now that's empowering. When I say you don't need me, well, why don't I need you? Because you could do it well without me. Hmm. That's a very empowering gesture. You know, I don't get to do a lot of it, but I, I live in Florida, and so I go to Christ Fellowship, and and and, yeah. and I teach for you. Know, uh, you know, Tom Mullins was the founder. Todd is the lead pastor. They're great guys. They're very good friends. In fact, I kind of moved to Florida when Tom was still pastoring and, and he, he wanted to kind of reach the business community. And, and I said, well, you know, I like Florida and I don't like winter. So, so I, I said, <laughs> I'll come down. I'll do, I said, I'll do some teaching for you. And so I came down and I kind of, I'm sorry, I'm kind of like on the teaching staff, although I only teach maybe four or five times a year, not a lot, but, but Periodically, I'll take Tom and Todd out to lunch and I'll say, now guys, I want you to know today I'm resigning being the the teaching on the staff here. And the, and the first time I did, I said, what, what do you mean? Is there something we need to do or, oh, no, 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 no. No, I, I just need to resign because we're very good friends and I would never depend on friendship for me being a teaching pastor of your church. Wow. I, I can be your friend without having a staff position. We, I mean, we could, Hey, we can go play golf without me having to teach there. And, and, and so I, I voluntarily resign and then they voluntarily hire me for another year. And so I said, well, okay, if you want me another year, I'll hang, but, but I I'm, I'm ready to go. I I'm, it's good. Wow. I, I can, I, I can go. And so every year, every year I, I resign and every year they hire me back, but I, I, I don't ever, I never want, I mean, I don't want to depend on relationships. You know, some, it, this is kind of sad to me, but a lot of yeah. times, this is kind of sad. A lot of people, they use relationships to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's kind of like I'm on your team, Carrie, and, and you and I are good friends and I'm not maybe really producing for you like I should. And I said, boy, it's a good thing. We're friends. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it may be a good thing we're friends, but it's not a good thing that you're on my team. You're weighing us down. You aren't carrying your load, and and I think that I think it's um, I just don't think it's it's healthy to put conditions on relationships and and things like that. I just think it's, you know, uh, love people and and help them and and but but don't hang around too long. I, I tell my crew now, my greatest concern now is that, uh, that I stay too long. I mean, I just said, dear God. Mm-hmm. And so I, I give permission to, you know, boy, I, I mean, I've got Mark Cole as my CEO of all my companies. And he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I got all these good people out of him. And I tell them all, I said, look, anytime, anytime you see me kind of not even starting to go down, but starting to level off and I'm no longer producing more and climbing, you got to come and tell me yeah, I don't trust myself to know and, and 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 i'll I'll exit. i'll I'll get off the I'll get off the stage. i I don't. I I, I I want to serve them and help them. I don't want them to have to carry me. I mean, no, I don't want that.
0: It's incredibly challenging and incredibly encouraging John to hear you say that. And I think it solves an awful lot of the challenges that leaders, churches, businesses are facing. I remember, I think it's like over ninety percent of all businesses die with their founder, and you can look at the history of church, and it's same thing, right? You have either you know the church plant fails, or you have somebody who led it really well, and then it kind of peaks off and troughs, and then hopefully you get another leader down the road. But I love that model. Thank you for No, they background. birth it,
1: you know, too many leaders they birth it and then they bury it, <laughs> you know, and and, and yeah. that's not where. Isn't that true? And that, and that isn't where we, we want to go. And again, because all the time, I'm all the time asked by people, you know, maybe my age will say, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe I should leave the church. And, 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 and I'm just asking myself if I stayed too long. And I say, yes, you have. <laughs> and, I, and then I smile and say, to be honest with you, the very fact that you're asking the question means that you're the last to know. And, and, and everybody else knows that, yeah, we, but, but I mean, athletes stay too long. Right? There's a tendency yep. for us to, to try to, to, you know, there's a difference between respect and honor. Uh, I think honor is a beautiful thing. I think honor is where you take somebody that's done something great in the past and you honor them. I, I just think there's, I think it's a great gratitude tribute to honor people. So I love honor. But but honors for what I did yesterday. But respect is what I can do today. And and I've decided that you know honors come automatically. I you know I, you know, okay they come automatically. But respect you got to earn that every day. And, and I I I don't expect anybody to give me a favor. I don't want to say well you know you know he, look what he's done. I mean what he's done is no reason what I do today. And so yeah I want to. I want to have respect. I want, I want to earn it. And and respect is earned on difficult grounds, never earned on easy stuff. So I want to have it. And I'll, if I have it, I'll, I'll stay in the game. And when I don't have it, I'll go see the grandchildren.
0: Well, um, there's so many questions, but here's one I want to ask before our time wraps up. Uh, you got a brand new book I love for those of you who are watching. It's called Change Your World. Uh, you've had so many books over the years, and thank you for continuing to write. You wrote this one with Rob Hoskins, the president of One Hope, uh, but I loved in it. Buried buried in the middle of the book is something called the Law of the Inevitable Return. Can you explain that? I think that's a really nice segue as as we kind of wrap up today. What is the law or, or the inevitable return?
1: Well, the inevitable return is the fact that when you pour into people, especially if you pour into leaders. Hmm. Uh, it's what I call Maxwell math. Uh, Maxwell math multiplies. It, it doesn't add. A long time ago, we made a determination that my, because leadership is my calling and my gift that, that I would speak to smaller crowds, but they would be leaders. Right. You know, So I wouldn't always speak to the masses unless they were leaders. And so it, it's kind of like I add value to leaders, that's adding. Who multiply value to others? That's multiply, and and so you know, I wrote a book called The Leader's Greatest Return, and in it I t- talk about uh, the inevitable return. You cannot pour into, equip, and add value to leaders without it coming back to you in a greater um, return than what you gave, and 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 so when when you, you know you think of mentoring, and I've done a lot of mentoring. And you take a mentor and say, "Oh, he's such a wonderful person. He mentors all these people, and 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 I, he's so selfless." And I I want to say, "No, honestly, I'm probably quite selfish, to be honest with you." Because the Brad Lobbics and you know, you know, the, you know, the Carries, the Marks, these people—they all come back. They all come back, and, and when they come back, they come back with so much more than I gave them, and 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 so, uh, it's it's a it's it's the long view of of life, and it's the long view of of, of the return. But I'm, uh, now I can speak with great credibility. Um, you know, we're, we're never good the first time. Okay. We're never good <laughs> the first time. So I love people carry always said, well, I'm working hard. I've never done this before. So I really want to do a good job. I say, relax, take a pill. You're not going to be that good. You're, it's your first time. You, you, you're not good the first time. Okay. You, but you have to have the first time. So you can have a second time, third time, fourth time. So in the beginning, I wasn't as bad as people thought I was. But now where I am, I'm not as good as people think I am. Mm. And so I ask myself, why am I not as good as people? Because I know I'm not. I know I'm not near as good as people think I am. I get way more credit than I deserve. And, and you know why people think I'm so good? <laughs> because it's all the people. It's all the people that I've loved and equipped and poured their life in. And, and so now they, they take these principles that I've taught, and they live them out, and they practice them, and they help people. And, and so they just bring a host of People around them back to me, and and I'm not that good. But but what is good is is what I did. What I'm not that good, but what I did is I invested in other people, and believed them to uh, to reach their potential, and they did. And and uh, you know I've been disappointed a few times, but my disappointments are so small compared to all the incredible returns that I, I've I've had in my life, and so. At this stage of, of life, I'm, I'm surprised every day, every day, somebody's <laughs> calling me, somebody's saying, hey, John, let me tell you what I've done with what you taught me. And, and I look at that and I say, you know, investing in people, I, here's what I say, invest in yourself in personal growth mm-hmm. and invest in others in leadership and you'll have an inevitable return.
0: What is one leadership question that's not being asked very much, or you never get asked that you wish people would ask more. (laughs)
1: Well, no one ever asked me, you know, know, Kevin Myers, another guy that I mentored that I love greatly said he was one of the first one that said this. And so I give him credit for it. that, That leaders want more for their people than they want, than their people want for themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I I I love that statement. I think it's very very true. And so I want more for people a lot of times than they want for themselves. And no, nobody ever asked me. Um, no nobody ever asked me about my disappointments of of how I wasn't able to give somebody what I thought they deserved, but I wasn't able to do it. I I have an event every year, Kerry, called Exchange. It's a high end leadership event. We take 120 people, and every year we go to a different city. So we were in London with these 120 people and had an amazing experience. I mean, we had a a, a, a royal dinner in 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 in, in, in uh, Windsor Castle with the favorite cousin of Queen Elizabeth, which she had to sign off. With uh, I asked Tony Blair to come, and he spent some time with the leaders, and we did some leadership stuff with Tony. We went to Winston Churchill's bunker, and 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 the guy who did the Darkest Night movie was there. The producer talked to us about that. We went. Behind the scenes, sat in Winston Churchill's chair, so we could feel the rough edges where his ring rubbed against it when he was deliberating during World War II. And then when they came out, I had his grandson meet with us for an hour and talk about what it was like to be in the family, of Winston Churchill. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I just kill people in these exchange experiences. I, I mean, when when we're done, I said, Do "You want to go next year?" And they just sign up, and it's just it's just automatic growth time. But when we're in London, I'm a great. I was. I'm a great. Um, I just have been a great fan of, of John Wesley. I think John Wesley, mm-hmm. I think John Wesley probably had a positive effect on the church more than any person since St. Paul personally. Okay. I mean, lay ministry starts with Wesley small group starts with Wesley. The, the accountability type it's all, all starts there. And I wanted to take them over to uh, in London, to Wesley's home and, and his chapel there. And, and to his museum and just do a Wesley because he was so transformational. And I wanted to speak in Wesley's pulpit on transformation to these 120 leaders. And we were not able to do that, that we got into bureaucracy and they said no. And, and so during this unforgettable trip in London where, where the people were saying, John, we can't even, we can't you're, you're killing us with the stuff that we're learning and experiencing. So in the last session before I sent them on their way I said, I want to talk to you about a disappointment I have. I said, I, you know, I wanted to take you over to John Wesley's. I, I didn't get you where I wanted you to go. I, I really didn't. I, wow, I, here's what you would have seen. Here's what you would have experienced. I, I, and I just have you to know that I'm disappointed for you. I, I just am. And then I talked to him about how, as a leader, you need to share your disappointments with your people when you're not able to provide for them what they deserve or what you want them to have. And and I, I would tell you, Carrie, these business people are just tears are streaming. Hmm. And, 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 and I looked at him and I said, now go back to your group. And and not only tell them the the highlights, but let them know let them know once in a while you're disappointed because you weren't able to give them what you really wanted to get them. And I said to, it'll it'll connect you to them like no other, it'll give you a strong connection. And, and so I, I wish people would sometimes with me, instead of talking about all the stuff I've done, they would just kind of ask me, you know, what would you have, what what did you miss? What would you have liked to have provided for people mm. that you didn't, that you didn't pull off? Because I think it's, it's good. I, because I think people look at people like myself and they think too much of all the accomplishments and they don't think of the leadership uh, emotion of, of wanting what's best for people and, and the highlight of providing it and the low light of not being able to pull it off. And and I just think it makes leaders, not a human, I think it makes them very intimate with their people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People admire your strengths, but they resonate with your weaknesses. Right, John? That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And we're at time, but uh, I got to tell you, this has been a joy. I uh, have really appreciated this hour with you, this time with you, and thank you for investing into our leaders on this podcast and the millions of leaders that you've impacted around the world. I'm incredibly grateful, John. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, and I admire what you're doing, Gary. Keep it up, my friend. Keep helping people like me. We're learning, we're listening, we're watching, so well blessings on your on your journey. You, you have a lot of good stuff in front of you, and I'm excited for you.
0: Thank you. Well, yeah, so glad that happened. And John says he's open to coming back, which I'm very excited about, and uh, hopefully we can do it in person next time. So I've got a what I'm thinking about segment, and rather than sharing some ideas I'm thinking about, I want to share with you just an overview of my favorite John Maxwell teachings, The Five Levels of Leadership. If you've never heard it and you're a young leader, stay tuned to the end for that. I'm going to tell you what's coming up. We got a lot of great stuff coming up. Man, everybody's saying yes this year. I just got a yes from David Allen, getting things done. I'm so excited to bring that to you later this year. We also have Annie F. Downs, Rick Warren, Amy Edmondson, Allison Fallon, uh, who else? Oh, Tim Keller is coming back, Simon Sinek, and uh, so many more. Very excited for all of that. And next episode, we have John Acuff. And John and I talk about uh, soundtracks and overthinking and the loop that plays in your head. Here's an excerpt. You go, okay, right now I'm in this stressful situation. What's the thing I could build that would make this easier? And then you go build that. So that's what I do with YouTube. I had a YouTube channel, like I put my flag in the ground, so to speak, yeah. but I had, you know, like 1,100 subscribers um, and hadn't made a video in like four or five years. And so I was like, you know what? I think it might be time to admit people online like these moving pictures. Gosh, I love John. Uh, we're going to have a fantastic conversation. I'm so excited for his new book. We'll talk all about that and so much more next time. And now it's time for what I am thinking about. This is brought to you by ProMedia Fire. You can book your free digital strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash church growth and buy the XP Summit. Just Google XP Summit and join an annual innovative gathering of XP leaders. Or you can go to welcome.cdfcapital.org forward slash XPS. 2021. Well, of all the books John has written, and he's written a lot, one of the books I'm most passionate about is his concept around the five levels of leadership. And uh, I've taught this to my team at different times over the years. I keep revisiting this book. And if you haven't heard about it, I I think it it really explains so much. So basically what John says is there's five levels of leadership for every leader. So particularly for all of you who are young leaders listening, hang on, because this is really interesting. So the levels are position, permission, production, people development, and pinnacle. So let me break those down a little bit for you. And John, if I get some of this a little bit off, you know, you, you can come back and correct it for me, okay? That's our deal. Uh, but I have found this so influential. In fact, I had so many questions for John and uh, didn't get to this one. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to share it anyway. I'll give you my take. So the world kind of comes to life when you think about the leaders who have influenced you or the kind of leader you want to become. So the first position, the base level position is 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 simply called position. That's the first level of leadership. So a position is just, yeah, you got the job, you got the title, right? And so maybe you became the director of or the associate in charge of and you're learning your management skills, but basically your authority springs from the fact that you hold the title. And you've seen this. That can be good, but but it's not where your leadership should stop. You've seen this you know, when, when you meet somebody who's like, well, it's a job, and I'm waiting for five o'clock, and they don't really have any authority beyond the title, it's like, well, I'm the manager, you got to go through me. And so, I mean, it's a great place to start, and that's where we all start, but you don't want to stop there. You want to at least move to the second level. I would suggest you have a shot at getting to level four and a handful, make it to level five. But the second level is Permission. All right. And that's when you kind of can go beyond just your title. This is what I'm supposed to do. And therefore, you must do it. uh, Where you move into some cooperation, you expand your authority beyond your title. So when you ask your employees to do a task, they're going to do their best. And they may try to help you because they feel appreciated, included in decisions, cared for, trusted and valued. And to get to this level of leadership. Remember, you're moving beyond just your title and your authority, but you got to treat people with respect. And John is masterful at this. This is what I had heard about him from so many leaders. And I felt that way. Like after I was done my hour with John, I like, wow, I I just feel so affirmed and so um, appreciated and so valued and so seen. And, you know, the thing about these five levels of leadership is, yes, you will always hold the position or get a new position, But then you move to permission. So you don't like skip over these. It's like, yeah, you still have a title and responsibility. And with permission, um, you start to coach people out of just the role and start to get them to cooperate beyond that. Uh, And then you move, once you've mastered that, you move to the third level of leadership, which is production. And these are the people who get results, okay? And you'll, you'll see that. Let's say you have 10 employees, right? There's one woman who's just crushing it and just producing great results. And what happens? She gets more authority. You get somebody in a leadership position, and it doesn't even have to be at the highest level of the hierarchy, but you got this one barista who's just doing an incredible job every single time and making the best flat whites going or the best cortados going. And it's like, okay, everybody's paying attention. So they get results. And since if you're at this production level, you have excellent relationships with all of the employees, you can count on them to do an outstanding job and you make everyone better. So uh, you have an authority now because you're producing and you're getting results. I think Clay Scroggins said, be ridiculously good at what you do. That gets you a long way. So now you've gone beyond the title. You've gone beyond just your ability to cooperate with people and you're getting things done. You're producing things. And then that moves you to the fourth level of leadership, which is people development. And people development is, and I love this, people are better because they worked with you. It wasn't just, you got stuff done. It wasn't just, yeah, everybody got along. It's like, wow, I have grown as a human being. And this is one of the things John just excels at uh, when you listen to the people who know him well. And so they're consistent. You know, if you want to be this kind of person who develops people, uh, you're consistent, you're honest, you're inclusive, you're easy to talk to, uh, you're working really hard, you're a fair decision maker, you're helping people get on with their life goals, not just their career goals. And uh, you, they leave, even if they worked with you for you know two years, five years, 30 years, they're like, I am a different human being because I worked with you. So that's people development. And then the final level, which not everybody gets to, is called Pinnacle. And along with mentoring employees, Pinnacle leaders have become skilled enough to help other people even outside their immediate reach. So maybe those of you who are podcasters or those of you who are speakers or those of you who are preachers, but your influence goes beyond your immediate congregation. Uh, You are now helping people develop beyond your own scope and reach. So you have influence. So it's gone beyond your organization, beyond your department, beyond your company, beyond your church. And now all of a sudden you're starting to have a broader impact. And again, you're taking all of those skills along the way. And now you're at the point where this becomes your legacy. And so you've got influence outside of the organization or even the industry that you work in. And again, you're doing everything you've learned along the way, but you're helping everybody get better. So there's a lot more to this. I I would really encourage you, if you want to start with a John Maxwell book, obviously his new one is fantastic. uh, But the five levels of leadership, boy, that'll preach all day long over and over and over again. So John, I'm going to give you the opportunity to uh, correct me next time we get together. Okay. If I said anything that was slightly inaccurate, but I, I just think about that. And um, yeah, I remember as a young leader, sort of being stuck at level three and not getting to level four and then learning, oh, I want people to be better off without me. And again, I don't think Pinnacle, and John talks about this. I don't think Pinnacle is something you strive for. It's not like, yes, I want to be a big influencer. That's you know global. It's like, no, if you just do the four levels well, sometimes, sometimes it happens. And you start to have influence beyond your immediate sphere. And uh, we'll have some more conversations. We've had them before on the podcast. We'll have them again about what happens when you try to overshoot that too quickly. Like I'm going to start on social media and I'm going to be a global influencer. I'm not sure it works that way, but you work on those first four levels you get uh, you do your position really well you get permission where you start to work with people you start to produce and get results you start to develop people so they're better off and then maybe just maybe you get to your pinnacle where you have a legacy beyond your own organization or even your own industry anyway five levels of leadership john maxwell thanks for the incredible legacy you continue to leave in so many people and i hope you've enjoyed our time together today and that it's helped you lead like never before